Hello and welcome to the WCU Podcast Podcast. My name is Josh Thompson. And I am Patrick Frazier. Patrick, we actually get to come to to folks live, not via Zoom, as we roll into phase two of reopening here uh, in North Carolina. Both of us kind of on the essential uh, work tab for now, but it's nice to be able to actually get to see you and talk to you in person, buddy. Yeah, and uh, we're you know we're doing it socially distant, of course, of uh, course. So so following all the guidelines and everything, but not having to meet via Zoom and rely on everything online for change is nice. Uh, getting to use some of our equipment that we've had for a while. So it's nice to have a little bit of normalcy uh, as we enter into phase two of the reopening for North Carolina. Yeah, only a thin layer of dust here in the podcast studio. Uh, but it, like I said, it's good to, again, keeping socially distant, but it's just good to be able to have conversation with you in person. Uh, it's nice. I think we ran into each other once at a gas station over the course yeah. of the, like the last three months. So it's, it is good to be back in person uh, and back uh, at work, even if it's uh, even if it's temporary or for the time being. It's uh, it's good to be on campus again. Yeah, and it still feels strange being on campus. You know, I've been on campus the entire time that that we've been in uh, the stay at home and phase one and coming on the campus each day and only seeing like 30 cars on the entire campus and no students here, no faculty here. It's, it's been, wild. A, been a wild and eerie sight. It's something that you normally would just see like if you swung through campus on Christmas break or something. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely mm. not what you would expect for a, especially when it's nice outside to be able to, to come to campus and not see anybody really out doing anything and, and, and not seeing the around. fountain running yeah. and people at the fountain, uh, you know, athletic. It's definitely bizarre. Yeah, athletic programs out getting ready for the next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it you know it's kind of like everything. Where else in the country, it's a, a new feeling. Yep. Uh, but it's nice to have a little bit of normalcy and kind of start working our way back to reopening and uh, back to fall. But even as we start looking at the fall, there's changes happening on campus. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and you know, the nothing uh, stays the same forever, so you might as well embrace change. And that really, as we talk maybe news about the university, the one thing we wanted to highlight on before we get into our our featured kind of content for the day was uh, saying farewell to two buildings that I know we've both lived in and uh, and uh, had formative experiences in, and that's Scott and Walker. We say goodbye to those facilities starting this month. Yeah, uh, the Office of uh, Student Affairs has officially moved out of Scott Residence Hall, and they're now in HF Robinson Building. Um, and so crews are starting to remove all of the furniture and everything from both of those buildings. And it's only a matter of time till you don't see the, the two twins as you kind of come on the campus, uh, the twin towers, uh, as, as you drive by on the four lane, it's going to be a different site for several years as we mm-hmm. start working on three new residence halls, but it's just not going to be the same without seeing those two buildings as you walk you know, around campus and drive on the campus. Yeah, and we touched a little bit on this with our program with Bo uh, last month. We talked about kind of how alumni and they're, they're connected to buildings, and then when those buildings go, it feels weird, and it doesn't feel quite the same when you come back to campus and how it's a double-edged sword. But I wanted to talk just a little bit about, I know that we, again, we both lived in Scott and Walker. So tell me, Patrick, uh, some of your fondest memories as we as we say goodbye to the two old uh, to the two old bur- birds. Well, you know, I lived in. I had the opportunity to live in Walker all four years as a mm-hmm. student. You know, something that students, you know, for the last several years didn't get because right. it was just a, a first year student building. Um, had a great group of friends that lived kind of on the same floor as I did, and all around me. Uh, we lived on the first floor. Um, 
I, I will say you, it was always fun. I think March Madness was always my favorite time because we plugged in so many different TVs between our two rooms, you know, and we had the cable splitters going to all the different TVs mm-hmm. so that we could watch every March Madness game. Um, and then we also had, you know, nights filled with, you know, playing video games, but we were doing like the old school Nintendo and Super Nintendo, like hooking them all up to different TVs uh, and playing. I will say one of my favorite memories is uh, we did um, 18-hole putt-putt, nine holes up, nine holes down, kind of going from one end of Walker to the other end of Walker. Um, And this wasn't an official building-wide program, I'm assuming, Patrick. Oh, no, 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 no. This was definitely not an official building-wide program. It might have happened around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning even. Um, uh, as a former RD of Walker <laughs> Hall, I know they're now not called resident directors anymore. They're called area coordinators. But as a former person who ran Walker Hall, that gives me so much, so much anxiety. I, I think the I think the 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 one anxiety moment that we gave Brian Boyer was uh, he came in one evening and we had moved a couch onto the elevator and we were just riding the elevator up and down on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a fire code uh, <laughs> violation, I'm certain. Um, but, you know, at the same time, um, the the fun thing that I think that I enjoyed most about living in Walker is we always had the door open. You always had people just walking by, dropping in, saying hello. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of the luxury of we were on the cusp of social media starting. You know, right. so you had AIM and Instant Messenger and Facebook was just starting. But for the most part, everybody still just kind of dropped by and and visited one another on a regular basis. And you weren't relying on social media to stay in in connection with everybody. Um, And great group of uh, people all around us that we all still stay in contact and and talk with today. And um, I never lived in Scott, but my brother lived there uh, his, during his years as an RA, mm-hmm. um, and his time as an orientation counselor, he was in Scott. Yeah. And just think of all of the students that have come through orientation through the years that your orientation was in Scott hall. And, mm-hmm. um, now a whole generation of students will have no clue what orientation looks like without Scott being the starting point. Yeah. It's this year. Orientation looks very, very different due to COVID-19. Um, we're excited about the program we've put together. That's going to be our featured topic today, talking about online orientation. But it, it almost seems a little fitting that it, orientation was not going to be in Scott Hall this summer because Scott's coming down. So it almost seems fitting that there's a break <laughs> between going from Scott, which was an institution, into anywhere else. Uh, so you, you got to look at the uh, bright side of things, right? And so I think that um, we will definitely... Um, It'll, it'll be strange. You know, I lived the, in Scott, obviously, when I was orientation counselor and orientation coordinator. And then I was an RA in Scott for two years, um, two and a half years. And then I was a assistant resident director, did two years of grad school in Walker Hall, and then ran the building for a year and a half before uh, I saw you at one open house, I think. Mm-hmm. And was like, Patrick, man, <laughs> I, I, I think I'd like to, to explore missions. And you were like, well... There's Perfect. literally a job open right now, uh, and so that was that was kind of what got me out of Walker. But um, man, it's it is going to be weird to think that those buildings aren't there anymore. I got to actually got called into uh, this sounds bad, but I got called into a meeting with our our bosses' bosses, you know, with uh, Doctor Miller. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, last week, right before they moved, they were all packing up. So I got to go into Scott one last time, which was really nice. I can't think of the last time I've been in Walker, but. Um, Lots and lots of fond memories. And you mentioned, I think the thing that 
I will miss the most. And the thing that I loved most about those buildings were the great community. And, um, and having those buildings where you could literally leave your door open and folks would stop by. I think now that everybody kind of has their own private bathroom, it's a, it's a lot easier to feel isolated and to feel like you, you don't see anybody unless you really put in an effort um, because there's extra layers of door. Whenever you have that suite style building, if you shut those two doors, then it's, it's two extra layers of folks being able to find you and say hello. But I will tell you when I was in Scott, the door stayed open. You know, unless I was literally sleeping or like in the middle of an online test or something like um, that door was open. Um, And in the same way in Walker, even when I had, you know, I was in my apartment for ARD and I was in an apartment as a as a grad, um, my door stayed open pretty regularly and pretty consistently because it was just it's fun to get to see everybody. And, um, you know, I, I love having my own my own space and having, you know, where, where me and my family live now and we have our own house obviously, which is nice, but I will always miss the community of, of living in a residence hall, which is why I strongly push anybody that, you know, I think that our first year live on requirement is one of the best things we do here is require folks to stay on campus because I I can't imagine if we hadn't, if we had a free for all where folks could live off campus, the connection would be so poor for our incoming students. And I, I can't imagine they would have a good experience. Yeah. You just get the opportunity to meet so many people that mm-hmm. you would not meet otherwise. Uh, I mean, when you're looking at a building like Walker that held about 350 to 400 students and Scott at, at its peak held almost 900 students, mm-hmm. um, you don't get that opportunity in an apartment complex. No, no. Um, you also, it like, and this is this sounds super old school and I'm not like one of those guys who's like, everything is better back in my day kind of deal, but there's something to be said for you having to learn to share a bathroom yes. <laughs> with whether you're in Walker, eight other people or seven other people. And if you're in Scott, 30 other people, like there's something to be said about that experience and it teaching you personal responsibility and kind of being a community and looking after each other and, and kind of, you know, not leaving a mess for the next person. I think there's something that when you have your own private bathroom that you're missing out uh, on and it makes it a little bit harder to kind of to, to grow up and be the kind of person you want to be. And it's also been interesting, too, kind of over the years, just seeing how both of those buildings have kind of evolved and, and modified. And, you know, when, when you and I were in them, they had the wonderful uh, metal bed frames. Oh, my gosh. Um, Terrible. The, uh, you know, if you wanted to loft the bed, good luck with that one. Uh, and now, you know, they have the wooden frames that are loftable and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember... Uh, move-in day you would always see kind of plywood row yeah where the parents were building the 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 frames for students to have a lofted bed yeah uh, and the angriest something... i ever got as an rd was uh 3 a.m move-in <laughs> morning uh i was at my apartment in walker obviously is at the bottom floor and it faced towards the circle somebody had set up in that parking lot at 3 a.m and had got their power saw out and this is you know Residential living, if you've never worked or been a part of an opening, is crazy. You work pretty much until 1 or 2 a.m. making sure that everything is perfect. So when st- folks start arriving at like 5 you're, you're or 6. You're pretty much working until exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. And so the this guy sets up his table saw at 3 a.m., not 20 yards from my door, and starts... And this was the first year that we had loftable beds and it took every fiber of my being not to open my door and say, you are making a pointless effort and then <laughs> slamming the door at him. I was able to restrain myself and customer service won out, but 
boy, I was like, this is the first year you don't have to do that. Stop it. Let me get two hours of rest. Yeah, I, I remember uh, I, dad, my dad and I, we, we built my loft uh, for, for Walker Hall. And I was you know, fortunate being on the first floor, Walker. The ceilings were a little higher. So our loft was able to be a little higher than it would have been in other areas of the building. Um, but those are just, you know, unique experiences as a whole that, you know, today's students don't get to have. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know they have their own unique experiences that we never have, but oh, for sure. some of them is just, you know, the fun of what makes college college. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Allen Hall is a dream. I mean, my gosh, what a beautiful, beautiful place. And they have, I think they have set it up where there's plenty of community interaction, which is really good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still a little bit different than, uh, than kind of the old, the old beasts that will, that will be coming to an end. So, yeah, I know, uh, move in was a little bittersweet this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when we only only filled Scott kind of halfway full and, and changed how Walker was set up as well. Um, moving in for the, the beast of the, of the residence halls took on a whole different, uh, look this past year and it'll take on a different look as we move forward for the next few years um, I am excited to see what the three buildings look like that go up in their place the, yeah have you had a chance to see the plans that they've put online yeah the the drawings that are online that have been approved by the board of trustees are, are beautiful stunning um, stunning you know and you know as a former student yeah I wish I could have lived in there but at the same time I'm grateful for for my opportunities mm-hmm. you know it's just like alumni before us that had the opportunity you know in Leatherwood and Helder Mm -hmm. and uh different places on campus and um you know that's not the only changes happening on campus right now uh for those that have driven by out by our baseball stadium they've started tearing up the road there for our first uh parking deck on campus uh that is well under construction as well and started some work on Ramsey Center a new exterior on the Ramsey Center as well as kind of refurbishing the inside of that uh, it's no longer going to be Darth Vader's summer home which nope. is kind of uh, sad in itself uh it was always nice to be able to call it that uh when we were doing tours yeah, around little campus. little way to nerd out a little bit yeah you know a nice little nod to some you know movie nostalgia mm-hmm. um and then that and even the front of campus yeah, the it's front of campus with, uh, with new uh, sign walls coming up, the the rock walls. They finished one side. They've just got to put the letters on, and then they're halfway through the other side. Uh, that's looking beautiful. And then Apodaca uh, Science Building is going to be a phenomenal building for all those students. Mm-hmm. Uh, construction keeps moving right along on that. Yeah, as far as I know, it's on, on track to open, you know, in the 2021 year. Yeah, and, and then, then we'll have that next kind of phase of campus change when they start taking down the natural science building for, for the next phase of Apodaca and change abound all around campus. Yep, um, the, more, uh, the more time goes by, the more things change. But I do think that, that you mentioned those plans, and I, I think those, those uh, drawings and those renderings of what's going to go where Scott and Walker is are just, like I said, they are absolutely stunning. Like, it's really, really impressive yeah, what they're going to be building Hall there. Allen Hall was stunning, but I think it takes Allen Hall to the next level. Even oh, for, for sure. For the three buildings there. And the way that they've designed it where there's kind of the big court. It's not a courtyard. Like, when we say courtyard around here, we think <laughs> food. Um, but it is a big space between the three buildings that can kind of serve as an outdoor hub between the areas. It'll have place for folks to kind of, um, you know, whether it's set out and on a, on a blanket or set out and do, um, 
kind of like, I don't know if there'll be any kind of recreational area things in there, but it, it looks like a big enough space where folks can really, even between the three buildings, have some nice community area to hang out and, and uh, spend time together. And the neat thing too, the way they have it designed is as you start, um, when you come around the, the roundabout circle in front of HFR, you'll be able to pretty much look directly from the road right there all the way up to the fountain. Yeah. Uh, the pathway is going to go between the buildings and pretty much be a straight line all the way up to the fountain. Uh, kind of tying you into the center of campus, which is nice. Yeah, um, the y'all's job here in admissions, uh, the tour, obviously you're going to change pretty pretty dramatically as you kind of move away from Scott and Walker. But once that area is finished, you'll talk about a great tour route to be able to start here in the Office of Admissions uh, at HFR in y'all's new location and to be able to really just turn a corner and walk straight into where um, Scott and Walker used to be in these brand new facilities. You know, we're and really fortunate up. Uh, working with residential living. Uh, they've actually designated a room in one of the buildings as a showroom for us. So it's already going to be designated as our showroom right there off the beaten path and um, make just, it a lot easier. Just for that our visual tour. is going to be great. The visual, I mean, you know, like you said, that, that's going to be literally the first stop. You're going to leave HFR and you're going to go straight to the residence hall because that's what most students want to know. They, they want to know where you're going to live and, and kind of. It's like Maslow's thing, right? Hierarchy of needs. You got to know where you're going to sleep, where you're going to eat, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, um, and so being able to, to tie everything in from the admission standpoint with our students. Um, I know it'll take us a couple of years before we have sure. some students that will be able to share some stories of living in those buildings. Uh, but once we have those and are able to tie that in with the tour, it's just going to just create a whole new atmosphere for our visit experience or open houses. Uh, and I'm sure it'll have some, you know, other ripple effects in some of our areas too, but I'm just excited to see kind of what the end result's going to look like. Yeah. It, uh, like I say, it's, it's going to be, I think it's really going to be breathtaking when it's all done and you make that turn. And like I said, I, I think of tours specifically probably just because I used to work in admissions and, and used to have to give those tours on summer days uh, like these where it would be rainy outside and people wouldn't come to do the tour. Uh, but I, I, um, I just think that visual of turning onto campus and being able to st- see a straight shot to the fountain is just going to be really, really great. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great visual. It's also going to be a great experience, but I think more than anything, I'm excited to see kind of how it enhances the the student experience um, being, you know, yes, Allen is a great community for them to be in, but having three different buildings all right there together as one community, mm-hmm. it's just going to be, it's going to be the nice tie into what Scott and Walker were Absolutely. Uh, as that nice central community for all your first year students. Um, and then you're still right there, you know, right down the hill from Balsam and Blue Ridge where our honor students live and first year honor students live. So, um, the spirit of Scott and Walker, I think will live in these new buildings. Oh, definitely. Uh, so it'll be an exciting time, exciting changes, but also sad time, uh, as we kind of watch them go and it'll be really sad kind of watching them go, knowing how few people will be on campus to see it happen. Yes. Um, yeah. And they're not like blowing them up though. So there's not going to be like an implosion or anything. No. They're taking them kind of apart more piece by piece. Yeah, slowly going to take them down and, and, and grind them up and use them kind of around campus for, for, uh, some bad areas and different, uh, construction projects around campus. Um, but again, it'll be, it'll be a strange sight driving on a 107 mm-hmm. the first time and neither of those buildings are standing there next to HFR. Yep. Absolutely. 
Well, as we kind of uh, wrap up the talk about kind of facilities that are going to be changing, there's another big thing that's going to be changing, and that is our orientation process for this summer. And I, Patrick, I kind of feel weird as we're getting ready to go to commercial here, but our featured guest after break is going to be, well, me. Yeah, uh, you know, what better time to, to highlight our orientation as we make the changes for the summer and uh, gear up for for a change and who better for that than the director of orientation to be there the, you go. the the keynote speaker so to speak yeah uh, y'all stay y'all stay tuned after this break because i am super excited to tell you about what orientation is going to look like and what it's going to feel like and all the great aspects that you're going to get to experience if you're an incoming student this summer and welcome back from our break again this is josh thompson and this is patrick frazier here with our uh, prominent guest for this segment, uh, Mr. Josh Thompson himself. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I was telling Patrick before, I'm a big pro wrestling nerd. I uh, always have been, always will be. And there's a there's a pro wrestling phrase, and it's called putting yourself over. Uh, and I feel very much like I'm putting myself over right now by, you know, as the host, uh, the two hosts of the program interviewing, you know, each other. Uh, it's not talking about <laughs> being the featured guest. Uh, so it feels a little odd, but I am super pumped um, today, you know, as we're filming this on uh, May 25th, is the official open of online orientation for our summer students. And then next Monday, June the 1st, it's going to open for all of our incoming fall students. So a couple folks getting access right now before we open up and the big tidal wave comes in next week. But man, I am so excited to talk about the program we've put together, Patrick. And I, I am uh, I'm especially I'm especially thrilled with how everything's turned out, really. Yeah, we kind of alluded to some changes uh, early on in the show when we were talking about Scott and how it's not the the central base for orientation this year uh, because this is a unique year where campus isn't even a central base for orientation. Right, yeah. There will be no residential aspect of of orientation this year, which is – which is different and obviously is due to, to COVID-19 and the, the current times we live in and having to make adjustments. And so uh, for, for our purposes, it's, it would be nearly impossible to gather several hundred people at a time to welcome them to campus and introduce all the great things in person. So what we've done is we've made a pivot. Um, I think that we've, we've uh, created an online program over the course of the last month or so when the official announcement came that we were going online instead of, uh, instead of in person. And I, I, um, so we've been working very hard, my team of uh, our, our little office of three, uh, and I will say two of us have been working harder than the third, and so Tammy and Catherine, <laughs> obviously, if you know anything about me, you know that they're pulling my dead weight along behind them as they work and uh, work hard to make this thing happen. But, so everybody, you know, nice shout out for Tammy and Catherine whenever you yeah, see them. Yeah, for sure, because like I said, if you've ever met me and you've ever met them, you know who, who actually kind of like makes things happen, and it's certainly not me, so... Um, my team has worked so hard, though, and we've been we've been blessed with wonderful campus partners who, you know, typically, Patrick, we spend a better part of 11 months preparing for in-person orientation and working with our, our folks to make sure everything goes without a hitch. And so we've spent the better part of uh, five weeks now putting this project together. Yeah, uh, talk so it's about a bit of a change. hour pivot. Yeah, yeah. And so instead of, uh, it's, it's closer to 11 days than 11 months <laughs> that we've been working on this bad boy. Um, but um, it's, it's kind of like when you're when you're on a movie production and you have a script that you're working with and you're in that final you know we've got 10 minutes of movie to film and then oh let's do a rewrite and mm-hmm. and add another three months of filming on but we got to do it in 10 days yeah it's <laughs> it's pretty wild but um, 
they said, we've, we've been working really hard, and I think the program we've come up with is, is great. But before we even get to the program, there's something that, that students have to do, and that's complete all their required steps. But, so before incoming students will have access to Blackboard, um, and so they have to complete four things. Number one, they have to have deposited, which actually starts in, in y'all's office in admissions. And so that deposit was due on May, May 1. Uh, and so if folks have deposited and paid their $300, uh, then that's step number one. Step number two is that they need to have submitted their immunization records. Uh, and that can be a little more challenging in the times of COVID-19. However, most doctor's office, you know, we have a way for you to scan and email immunization rec- records as well as receive facts. Some doctor's offices will, will send it right over here. That'll go to our health services folks. So once that's cleared, uh, then students will have to have completed pre-registration, which is our uh, partnership with advising and is how we build our schedule. So if you're an incoming student, you will go through and you'll say, I'm planning to bring in these 20 hours of credit, either from a community college or early college, whether you're first year or transfer, if you're bringing any classes in with you, you'll fill it out there. And then our, our, our professional advisors that span, you know, not just the advising center, but also the honors college and HHS has their own personal professional advising team and suite 201 for education majors. And so those folks will build the schedule. And then you register for orientation. There's only one date that you can register for, and that's June 1 uh, and May 25th, but we've already started May 25th. So uh, June 1 is the only date, and then there's a $45 uh, fee for online orientation. It's traditionally $125 for our two-day in-person. And so because we've made some changes, and obviously you don't have to pay for meals and places to stay, that that fees drop down to $45 for, for online. Once you've done that, then we'll email you the access after those dates. I think one of the biggest um, misconceptions for some students is as they're coming through that that they're creating their own schedule uh, in orientation. And I think, you know, understanding that you're doing kind of the the pre-schedule piece and then Mm -hmm. you've got a a team of advisors that's creating your schedule for you takes a little bit of the stress out of it for students. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when you get access to the, the system... In theory, your schedule has already been built if the program works the way we like it to. Uh, And then we think it will. Uh, (laughs) So um, when you log in, uh, those answers for pre-reg, it's it's the best of both worlds because you're getting a chance to express your opinion through pre-registration, you know, whether you're more interested in science or math or or English or whatever, declare your major. Um, And so that schedule, you'll say, "This, this is kind of what I like. And then a, a professional will build that schedule for you. And then during your online orientation is when you'll learn how to access that schedule. Uh, and then you'll learn kind of from departmental meetings uh, how to your your professor, professors, your academic, uh, your faculty advisors want you to register and if you need to make any changes for them. And then finally, you'll learn how to adjust the schedule on your own. So you'll leave our process having gone ABC all the way uh, in, in knowing every step of how to adjust and how to, how to make things work and who to talk to. Yeah, and um, for students that are listening to this, trying to complete some of those pre-registration items, uh, especially if you're trying to figure out your immunization records, because uh, I know that this is a tough time trying to get some of those records from uh, doctor's offices and what will count as official and not official. Uh, the best thing to do really is to reach out to our health services office. Uh, mm-hmm. You can check them out online, uh, send them an email, or uh, reach them by phone. Their phone number is area code 828-227-7640. Uh, and that'll take you straight to our health service office, and then they can 
help you with any kind of direction or information that you need to get those immunization records to them. Even uh, information on waiving the health insurance uh, that is required of all students, they can help with that process too. Yeah, and and um, and Pam Buchanan is the director of uh, health services here at Western, and her team has has been fabulous to work with. Uh, and I think that they uh, we'll do it. We'll do whatever kind of it takes to make sure that students have a good experience and get things taken care of. While we also follow kind of those important state laws about you can't have a class schedule until you are your immunizations are, are proven. And so Pam and her team have done a fantastic job in in handling those questions as they come in and really hopping on things immediately. There's there's hardly any lag time from when you when you call over there to to get stuff fixed. Yeah. Um... The, the neat thing kind of with everything that you've had to do with the online orientation is you've pretty much condensed two days into an online format, mm-hmm. but you've also had to condense information fairs and meetings and sessions all into an online format as well. Because uh, yeah. in the past, you would have a, a welcome session that would be taking place that would have tables set up around the Ramsey Center with health services to go over immunization records and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, now that's all online and checklist items. Uh, so it's a little different, but it hopefully it'll, it'll still make it user-friendly for the students. Yeah, so what we've done, we've taken what should be, like if you add the two days together, probably like, you know, 15 to 20 hours of programming and we've smashed it all into a compact box that should take you around three to four hours if you're if you're uh, doing orientation the way you should and kind of going through content, watching presentations, you know, reading, not just to speed read and get things done as quickly as possible, but to try and uh, comprehend and learn. Um, and so kind of uh, taking it literally a fraction of the amount of time. But uh, one of the things I'm really excited about that we've done, and, and there's five parts of orientation that are mandatory to get your credit for completing online orientation. There's our welcome video. There's our student resources responsibility videos. There are uh, advising one-on-one departmental meetings and schedule adjustments. So those are the five things that for you to get credit and to be able to enroll, you must complete. However, that's not all that is built into Blackboard in our in our online orientation. There's a lot more content there. Uh, it's just not required like those other things are for you to be able to attend Western. Um, and one of those things you mentioned specifically was how do you take a virtual, how do you make an information fair where you have, you know, literally 50 to 60 booths and tables and make it digital and make it live in a place where you don't have to have representatives at all hours of the day, you know, so if Patrick, you wanted to do your orientation at 2 a.m. and I wanted to do my orientation at 1 p.m., how do you make it so we can do that? And it's on your schedule because we know right now, specifically as folks are trying to figure out, you know, uh, more folks than ever are potentially battling unemployment and unexpected income loss due to COVID-19. How do you make it so folks can do it on their time when they can? Um, And so one of the things we did that I really love, it's again, an optional part of online orientation, but our virtual information fair. So all the folks that we usually have uh, set out at these um, in-person events, giving out flyers, that kind of thing, you'll have a chance to, to digitally interact with folks, just not with a person. So you'll go in and you'll find a virtual information fair module and you'll click on it and you can click to view campus partners and so where you can go and click on department of campus activities you click on there you see the flyer they were going to give you at orientation if you go to scholarships you find the scholarship flyer you were going to get at orientation and so you go through and you click and there's a pdf and a flyer for every single 
booth that was going to be here anyway. And again, you're just going through on your own time. You click what you want to click. So if you're interested in Greek life at Western, then click on Greek life. If you're not, then you don't have to do that. If you're more interested in campus recreation, then click on that link. So there's there's things for everything you would have gotten here in person to be able to get that same information, as well as a contact person for the summer. Now, that person may not be available at 2 a.m. when Patrick <laughs> decides to do his online orientation, but that, that person and their contact information will be available probably during your regular business hours if you wanted to reach out and find out more about their office, or we've even got you know off-campus um, companies that have requested to be a part of orientation in the past, and uh, so like an 828 Escape or something like that, so you can even click and learn more about businesses in the area that want to get to know you and tell you about their services. So um, there's a number of different ways to get involved, and so that was kind of a unique challenge that I think we did the best that we could. And I actually am really pleased with it, um, with, with how it turned out and how you can go through and, and learn those things kind of on your own time. I think it'll be interesting once we've kind of moved past COVID-19 and uh, things get back to some version of normalcy uh, to kind of how it used to be, what you're able to integrate between the online virtual orientation to the in-person orientation Mm -hmm. because it's really going to allow you an opportunity to expand your offerings moving forward and kind of how you do business moving forward yeah absolutely so we're always going to say that um in person we want to be able to welcome you look into your eye point and say look at this great thing we have going on here like i want you to be able to shake the hand of whomever (laughs) you want to get to know not right now uh, but in the future, next year, hopefully. Uh, and um, so we want to be able to, that in-person connection, and you know this as an admissions guy, that until you get on this campus, it's hard to really um, kind of wrap your mind around, especially if you come from a big city uh, or if you come from out of state or an area. This is, Cullowee is so unique. And it's unlike any other place we've ever students, been, their first time ever being on campus is not a campus tour, no, not an open house. It's orientation is their first time ever being on campus, which is bold and yes. brave to be able to say, "I am committing to this place sight unseen," and we'll probably have more than that than ever before this year, right? If we're being oh, very yes. honest, yeah. uh, so. all the students that weren't able to make it to our uh, March open house because it was canceled and. Figured, well, I'll make that jump and go to orientation, and now orientation is online. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a challenge, uh, and so for us, in person is always better because because we can we can show you you know there's this touch and feel element um, that you can see and you can interact with folks, and even if you're even if you're not participating in actual orientation activities, if you're here during the summer and classes are going on, and so let's just say there's a, a parent sitting at a Starbucks or whatever, and you get a feel for who we are as a people, and I think that. We've always been Western when I was in admissions, when I'm in orientation. The reason you should want to come to Western is because we've got the best people. Like I like I think that our people, if you go and just ask a random person in Starbucks, be like, hey, like, you know, I'm new here. I'm, I'm just here on a tour. I'm just here for orientation. Do you like what you do here? Like, tell me one of your favorite things. I have found folks have been late for sessions because they get wrapped up in a conversation <laughs> with somebody who doesn't work for Western, but just wants to talk about their experience and how great it is. Or they start talking to Brian Boyer somewhere and Boyer yep. just keeps yep. talking bless and talking. His, and bless his soul. <laughs> yep. Boyer will, Boyer will get you going. Um, so, but no, it's, it's great. And so that, that kind of piece is impossible to, you know, you can't replicate that, 
that human interaction online. But I do think you brought up a good point and that there's ways, there's things we're doing now that absolutely can influence who we are in the future and how we can enhance that in-person experience digitally and, and have them walk hand in hand together. Yeah, you might be able to, to move some of the things that you're doing in person in the past to kind of a pre-orientation before mm-hmm. you get on campus and, and kind of reimagine how the on-campus piece looks. Uh, I, I am one that's a firm believer that students need to still have the overnight piece. Oh, 100%. Uh, and not just to drive in for the day and drive home. Uh, you really need the overnight piece as a part of orientation. Well, how, um, how else are you going to know? What a building, you know, like, you know, we've been in Scott for forever, right? Oh, yes. And Scott has been the freshman, one of the main freshman halls. And so how are you going to know if it fits, if you're not sleeping in that room? And that's when people get mad sometimes. Like, well, my parents got a hotel. I'm just going to stay with my, in the hotel with my parents. Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, why don't, why don't you take a chance and live where the, you're going to live? The crash course of living in an unair-conditioned building? Sure. In the middle of the summer. It's never going to be hotter than it is in June. Exactly. You, you know, you get the worst out of the way in June, and then it's, you know, downhill from there, nice, you know, colder weather in the fall. Um, but, yeah, it's just the, the opportunity to, to have that live-in experience will make you so much more comfortable. And then just the the other programming things that you always have been able to have with an on-campus, such as, you know, the, the night events where mm-hmm. it's a chance to just kind of relax without a structured you know, you've got to do this session and this session. Just get to know your future fellow students for the next four years um, is always just a great opportunity that I always recommend students that if you're going to a school that doesn't have that kind of orientation, then you're missing out on something. Absolutely. Uh, just because you really, it's a jump start in not only the school experience, but also making friends for when you start school. Uh, it's kind of that bridging of the gap between you finished high school, but you haven't started college yet. Let's bridge it with the orientation. Yeah. And I, I've always been very open in that when I started at Western, um, it was, it was not my first choice. I did not get into the, the school that I initially applied to. And luckily Western was still accepting applications. And this was, you know, in the stone age now compared to the, these <laughs> students, but um, they were literally in diapers when I was here. But um, so I came here with all intents and purposes of putting in a year and transferring out. And my mind got changed at my orientation. And this came from a place that was going to serve a purpose to a place that I saw myself really enjoying. And then within a month of being on campus, I was hired as an orientation counselor. And now, you know, 15 years later, here we well, are. I think one of the neat things, too, with orientation, um, there's so many students, you know, kind of we, we highlighted how academic advising helps build your schedule and everything. The people that you're meeting at orientation are going to be the same people that are going to be in those classes that you have mm-hmm. uh, that first or second semester as a student. So you're getting a jump start on getting to know your classmates. Oh, who am I going to work well with in a project? Who has similar majors as I have? Um Who's in a different major that I might, you know, have an interest in switching to or declaring if I'm an mm-hmm. undeclared student? There's just so many things that orientation offers. Um, and I think y'all have done a great job of kind of capturing that in the online setting. Uh, but I also know, too, that you just can't capture all of it. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I'll put you on the spot, Patrick. And I, don't, I honestly don't know your answer to this question because I know, I remember my orientation counselor. I remember their name and I remember 
just thinking that they were the coolest person that I've ever met. Uh, the two people that I worked with. So do you happen to remember yours? I do not remember my orientation counselor. Yeah. So um, that's one of the things we're hoping. So, and, and mine was, uh, her name was Carmen Cariotti. Now it's Carmen Walsh. And then Jason Lohman uh, were the two that I worked most with when I was a student. And I just like, I thought they walked on water. I thought they were the coolest people. And I was like, if I could ever be like them, like I would have made it at Western. Um, and so, and, and that's a person that you can use as a true resource um, at, uh, here at Western. And so a lot, of the, a lot of folks have been asking, well, are you going to have orientation counselors? Like, how does that work in a digital space? So our orientation counselors, we still have our, our full team. We told them all kind of what the new plans were going to be. And we, we offered them if they wanted to stay, they could stay. And the majority of them took us up on it. And they were like, yeah, I'm interested in taking on this new challenge because that's who they are. That's what orientation counselors are all about, right? As they, and if nothing else, leap. it's a nice, you know, uh, resume builder for mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. And so they are going to be doing office hours. So you get to know your orientation counselor that way. Um, uh, they are also going to be tasked. You mentioned the social aspect and how that, that can be difficult digitally. Yes. How do you get people to hang out? Uh, but my, my team has really stepped up to the challenge each week. They're going to be hosting a social activity, via via zoom or online capacity in some way or another i know that i actually right before we started recording this i sat in on a a trial office hour for one of my orientation counselors and he was telling me that he was trying to figure out a way to make duck duck goose happen via (laughs) zoom and i just was like well it can't like that's impossible he was like well and he started telling me his, his ideas and i was like well, I'll be, I guess you maybe can have a form of duck, duck. And like, so like, these are the kind of things that I think we, when we pose the question of what does orientation look like, the soul of orientation is always going to be making those connections. And, and when my you, team when is you working you give overtime. An, an open-ended option for orientation counselors to come mm-hmm. up with a solution, they're going to come up with off the wall solutions every yeah. time. And I've, and I've always said, and this is, this is uh, me bragging on my students a little bit, but I've always said that. There are there are jobs on this campus that if you are if you are in that job, that you are amongst the absolute best that Western has to offer. Whether it is entourage or RA or uh, or orientation counselor, I think if you if you're doing those jobs, you represent Western and you are amongst the most elite students that we have. If you can get that job, that's just the nature of of who you have to be to be in that position. And I will I will tell you, I've never been more impressed by the creativity of our students than I have as they start to like, I guarantee that there's going to be a group of students that'll do a uh, bachelor. What is the thing? It's, it's like, listen to your heart or some, oh, yes. or something <laughs> like that. Like, so there's going to be, there's going to be at least one person who does a bachelor walk, watch along one night and anybody's pr- invited to participate. And so they'll be letting their groups know in weekly emails, kind of what the social activity for that week is. They're going to be doing them at different dates and times. And so they could even do like some of the, the late night people that are doing uh, music with just household instruments. Yep. I, everybody has a household instrument and playing along. They've, they've really risen to the risen to the occasion. And I think that the activities that are offered are going to be unique and will be a great resource for our students. And, and, and these folks, these students that are going to be your orientation counselors are going to be excellent people to know because they're not just, or I don't think I have one person who is an orientation counselor only. They could be a board member with Project Care. They could also work for admissions as an entourage. They could be an RA. They could be in Greek life. I think that these folks are going to be 
absolute great people to connect with. And they're going to, they're going to relentlessly pursue you. If you're an orientation <laughs> attendee, they are going to, they're going to get after it and they're going to try their best to connect with you on whatever level you need them to connect with. And they are going to, they're going to make sure that no matter what, you're going to feel that somebody has reached out to you multiple times and you're going to feel that somebody has, has expressed a genuine interest in welcoming you to Western. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, for the incoming students, still having that student connection is going to be a big key to them as they make mm-hmm. this transition um, through the online process. Um, you know, and, I, and part of me really hates it for the uh, high school seniors that are going to be college freshmen because they're missing out on so many, you know, opportunities that everyone else is going to have those kind of shared experiences for especially when you know kind of as we highlighted with uh, Bo Busby when we talked about alumni you know our experiences alumni are going to be entirely different than their experiences but at the same time I think that is going to be something that really bonds this class yeah I Um, think that it is a double-edged it is a double-edged coin because I think there's that initial sorrow of uh, I'm like I I I hate that you're not going to get to experience what generations of students have experienced, but I think there's also this group will have such a unique um, bonding experience going through if they do this online orientation correctly. Now, if you're trying to speed run it like those dudes who play Mario and can beat <laughs> it in like three minutes, you're not going to have that connection. So let me just throw that out there now. Do not try and speed run orientation. Uh, please, uh, because you are going to be missing out on what makes orientation such an important thing. And um, I think that this group will have such a unique way to connect with each other and will have such a unique orientation in that experience that I, I am almost envious of the program that they get to go through and the ways that we're we're working extra, extra hard to make sure that this program connects and that we, we don't strike out and that we hit a home run. And this is one of those things that, that shouldn't have to be said, but it's it's worth kind of pointing out, uh, especially following up what you just said, for the parents that are like so eager to make sure everything is done right for their kid. This is, a, this is one of those times and one of these processes, let the student do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is so hard to kind of give up that control of – of you know making sure that everything's done right for your son or daughter but this is a an orientation process because it is so different that they need to be the ones going through it they need mm-hmm. to be the ones kind of going through this process online yes you can kind of be there and be a, a part of it with them but they need to be doing it themselves and and not watching you do this yeah parents would sometimes get hostile with me at lunchtime on day 1 when I would break the students and parents up so now the fact that there is zero like there's not a parent portal for our Blackboard online orientation. Our mandatory orientation experience is student only, and that is done uh, by design. Um, this is this is for the students. They must invest. Now, Patrick, am, am I am I blind to the fact that if you're sitting in front of your computer, that mom and dad aren't going to be sitting there with you most of the time? Oh, no, of I'm not. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not that we discourage parents from being involved. Uh, it's just that there's no official parent program like there was in the past that is mandatory. And so that actually is a wonderful segue into the the final kind of piece of orientation. And again, this is all optional, but this is if you are a parent or family member of a of an incoming orientation student, make sure you check out our live sessions. And so we said orientation won't be in person, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean it won't be face-to-face -face, uh, because we've worked really hard with our great partners in marketing and that I know um, if Sam Wallace gets one more email from me he will <laughs> probably hunt me down and smack me in the face but that man uh, and Riley uh, who does our social media and and Shawnee Young and all those folks over at uh, all those folks over at at uh, marketing are probably absolutely sick and tired of me, but they have worked and put together a phenomenal program for us. And so we're going to be doing live streams every Tuesday and Wednesday night, starting tomorrow, May 26th. So again, I'm dating this podcast. So if you tune in, that's okay after the fact, because if you miss our live streams, they're going to be every Tuesday and Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. And they're going to be streaming on YouTube uh, and through the university's official Facebook accounts. And how long will we be streaming those? One hour. Uh, it will be live and, and then they'll they'll live on a youtube playlist and you'll be able to link to them uh, if you miss them directly from the orientation website so if you go to orientation.wcu.edu there'll be a playlist of every single session that you may have missed and we're going to leave them up uh all summer and so what you're going to do is you'll you'll go you'll log in or you'll you'll go to youtube or whatever and you'll go to facebook and you'll be able to type in questions and so our campus partners that and we've set up i think like a pretty pretty great lineup of people who it's important to know this week may 26th and may 27th uh is going to be student employment is going to be on uh, tomorrow tuesday's session so we're going to have for all those um, future orientation counselors right and and trust me i understand how unique and much of a challenge our our incoming grad elijah uh, and our grad assistant is a super important part of our recruitment process our incoming grad elijah has got his work cut out for him because <laughs> recruiting somebody to be an orientation counselor when they've not actually been to an in-person orientation is going to be an interesting challenge. Uh, I think it can be really fun, uh, but I think it is going to be a challenge. Um, but yeah, so, or entourage, Absolutely. If you've never exactly. been on a tour, it can be it can be challenging. It'd be, your, it'd be to know. a chance to be a, on your first tour as you're giving as you're it giving to other, it. other students. That'd be a fun story. <laughs> um, and so. Nancy Ford, Michael Lyons, who are both in HR here at the university, um, and Catherine Butterfield, who is with financial aid. And you may be saying, well, how does financial aid play into student employment? But there's the work study and there's non-work study. And so we've got all aspects that we're going to cover. We're going to talk about JobCat, which is how you apply for jobs, the different types of jobs, work study versus non-work study, how your financial aid can make a difference for, for those programs and, and that kind of thing. And so we've got that lined up for night one and night two is going to be a health and wellness night. And if there's ever anything that you guys should be tuning into, it is right now, it's our health <laughs> and wellness uh, live stream because we're going to have Pam Buchanan, who I mentioned earlier, uh, the director of health services. We're going to have Kim Gorman, the director of... Um, our counseling and psychological services. And we're going to have uh, Shauna Sage, who is the director of uh, our campus recreation. Um, and so we're going to be talking all aspects of health and wellness. So you want to know kind of about what our doctor's office situation looks like might be more than ever. You might be more curious oh, to yes. know mm -hmm. about what health, health and medical stuff looks like here on campus. Um, there is a litany of things that I think that our students are going to need to know about personal and mental health and mental well-being, because going through and having this experience and, and this kind of dramatic change in lifestyles can make a big difference in somebody's mental health awareness. Um, and then just getting out and active. Now, it's been kind of hard to get out and active, right? When when you've been quarantining and you've I mean, been part staying of... Staying home. Yeah, exactly. They say the freshman 15, but it might be the quarantine 14, 15. 15. Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, at least it has been for me. Uh, so I think it's going to be 
a super important session to tune into. And you can, so the first part of those sessions, first 20 to 30 minutes are going to be folks telling you about their programs and about things you need to know um, as you're, as you're joining us here at Western for both first years and transfers. Um, And then the second half of that hour is going to be all questions. So if you have a question about how something works or health insurance or any number of those things, then they'll be there to, to help answer. So I'll be, I'll be hosting the sessions each week. So the questions will just be funneled into an iPad or, or something for me, and then I'll read the questions, and the experts will kind of knock it out of the park and answer any questions you may have. And again, those will live on YouTube after the fact. So if you're working 6 to 7 p.m. or you can't make it or you forget about one, then uh, you can always check those out. But that is going to be our main source of contact with parents and family members and it's going to be great and like we encourage those folks to take part in those sessions because the mandatory online blackboard is going to be for the students and so this piece is is for the parents and guests also students as well because students should be able to have be active participants oh, yes. in their future um but i'm excited to 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 present those sessions and i think they'll be an excellent resource as folks prepare to join us on campus um, and the nice thing with these is, fall. you know, these aren't just for first-year students. They're also for transfer students, mm-hmm. uh, you know, returning students that haven't been in school for a couple of years that are needing a refresher. It's yep. a great opportunity for them as well. Um, so it's really a great resource for, for all students. Um, and, you know, even if you're an alum and you want to just check out, see what's happening on campus, you can, you know, watch one of the, the pre-recorded ones just to get a feel of what you are missing here in Cullowee. Yeah, absolutely. I was on my Facebook earlier today because I was going through and making sure I had them all on my calendar so I could share out and that kind of thing. And I noticed that there are a couple of alumni, friends of mine, who had said they were interested in going to attend. And I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah, get, come along. Uh, learn about what Western's like. Now, or what it's going to look like, folks have never been more curious, Patrick, as I know you know, because um, I know you've been answering, uh, been serving kind of as the, a phone switchboard. Uh, people are just calling now because they're curious about what life looks like at Western moving forward. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, you know, we're kind of waiting on some guidance from the UNC system as to what the future of, you know, universities as a whole, as well as WCU is going to look like, as well as some guidance from our administrative staff and everything, and uh, I can I can guarantee once we have that information, then that'll be an upcoming episode of our podcast as well. Oh, for sure. Um, and, you know, will it wait till July? Probably not. Once we have that information, we'll probably just go ahead and, and there'll rec- be a special record and have a special edition out there for everybody. Because um, you know, we used to take breaks in the summer, but uh, with everything that's happened and and all, I think we'll be recording through the summer and keeping mm-hmm. everybody up to date on changes on campus, you know, whether it's orientation or class schedules or you name it, we'll be kind of keep doing our best to keep everybody up to date uh, in these fun times that we live in. Yep. And I know we're reaching the end of our, our, our time and our, our topic kind of here, but I would be remiss if I didn't take a couple of minutes to profusely thank the <laughs> WCU faculty and staff and everybody here on campus, the students. This has been easily the be- the biggest challenge kind of of uh that i think we've we've had to face in terms of my professional career uh in terms of trying to put this program together really quickly and uh for us to have put something together that i am i'm super proud of and it would not have happened without total buy-in from uh, faculty that got us and figured out how to digitize their departmental meetings it would not have happened without support from it oh my gosh you know what i knew about blackboard before this whole thing started 
And, that, and what you know about Blackboard now, too, entirely existed. different things. Yes, <laughs> the, the team at the Culture Faculty Commons, like Jonathan Wade and, and his crew, um, like the people have gone above and beyond to make sure that this program not only just gets off the ground, but is a is something that the university can be really proud of, and it is something that has been invested in by it, like admissions, by uh, financial aid, residential living, dining. I mean, folks from all over campus have had a hand in this process, and and the advising. I mean, my gosh, the advising teams that that put together the schedules and like usually you know they have a couple days break between each orientation session to kind of build any last minute schedules and stuff like the the fact that they're front loading everything into this trying to get everything ready for June 1 and May 25 is is so impressive and it just speaks to I mentioned earlier you can't replicate our people because uh they the investment in welcoming students here is second to none and I think that for those of you who are taking part in orientation, whether it's a student or family member or even alumni who are just curious and want to watch the live streams, uh, then I think that folks should be very proud of the of uh, of how how much work has gone into this. And like I said, not not necessarily from from me. I mean, we've 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 done our part, but we wouldn't be able to to roll this thing out without blood, sweat, and tears from pretty much every division on this campus. So a big thank you to anybody who's listening that's had any part in making online orientation happen. Yeah, these are all areas that normally students would be seeing as they arrived on campus in some form or fashion for orientation. And now, kind of unfortunately, they're all working almost behind the scenes to to make the same experience happen for students. Uh, But they're working just as hard, if not harder than ever, to give our incoming students the best experience possible uh, in these trying times. And um, I'm excited to see kind of how June 1 goes for you as everything you. gets uh, kicked off and started. Me too. <laughs> I, I don't have many hairs that can turn gray still. Most of them are gone. You know, that's the that's a toddler for you. Uh, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited if if students next you're gonna go for that field look. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that's the only that's the only other way we can go at this point. But we, um, if you are a student who's incoming, then check your email, your Catamount email. Um, if you're missing anything, get it taken care of ASAP. Uh, if you are a family member or a guest, reach out to us. If you're a student, reach out to us. Um, my professional staff team, Tammy, Catherine, and I will be available two days a week for two hours each day on Tuesdays and Fridays. If you need to zoom and you want to ask questions face to face, then all you have to do is go to orientation.wcu.edu and click join the meeting at those times. And so we have done uh, our absolute best to make ourselves as available as possible. And, and hopefully um, if you have any issues or you have any questions about why things are working the way they're working, or if something isn't working for you, then, uh, then let us know. And we will absolutely take care of you and, and make sure that things get taken care of. Well, Josh, thank you for being our featured guest this week. Now, uh, how tired are people of my voice right now? Uh, oh, I'm sure they're they're loving every minute of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that students, as they log in, if they listen to this podcast first and then they log into <laughs> the orientation uh, modules and have to hear my voice again, they're going to be like, no, not this guy again, <laughs> Lord. But, you know, that's my, my broadcasting background coming out. You know, you, we're just, you know, we're easing them into orientation, giving them yep. a preview of what's to come. Lots and Lots and lots of this guy. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it, well, like I said, we will be keeping everybody up to date throughout the summer as new different guidelines and changes kind of 
occur once we know what the fall is going to look like. We'll be updating everybody for the fall. Um, I'm sure we've got some exciting news ahead. Uh, and we'll also be do our best to keep everybody up to date on construction going on on campus sure. for all of our alumni. And, you know, we might even invite Bo back for another episode uh, to do another little alumni update here in the future. I don't think we'd have to twist his arm too bad. I don't think so. Uh, hopefully we'll get our, our third co-host back in here at some point, Mr. Yep. Mr. Scott, Scott Cooper. Cooper. Um, but when you're having to follow social distance guidelines and uh, limited staff in the office, uh, you make do with what you can. Uh, Absolutely. But I want to thank everybody for listening to this month's episode and uh, look forward to talking and to everybody on campus soon as we ease our way through a reopening process. Absolutely. For Patrick Frazier, this is Josh Thompson. As always, go Cats!